Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hello, deck the halls with boughs of holly and welcome to My Christmas Time Capsule 2023, Part 2. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens and this is, as the title suggests, Part 2 of our special Christmas episodes, where guests from the past year rejoin us to reveal the one thing they'd most want in a Christmas time capsule. It could be something about Christmas they most love or something they'd want buried and forgotten. And we've got some smashing past guests in this episode for you to enjoy. So let steeple bells be swungen, as they say in the carol. Then again, they also say, and I owe, I owe, I owe, which seems very little reason for celebration. And they seem to suggest that the bells are going to be swungen, clearly not a real word, just one made up to rhyme with sungen, which is also not a real word. Anyway, it's going to happen here below, 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 which is unlikely in a steeple unless you happen to be passing in a plane. Or Santa's sleigh, of course. Right, I'm glad we've sorted that out. And if that pile of gibberish hasn't put you off, I know, I know, I know that our first guest is going to give you the perfect Christmas commentary. Because she is the fantastic sports commentator, Jackie Oatley. OK, so I'm going to go for decorating the tree. <laughs> That's lovely. Because we did it a couple of days ago, my husband, my kids and me. And normally they do it on a Saturday when I'm commentating on a football match. And I come home and the tree's all decorated and the kids are all excited. And little part of me is really sad because I've missed out again. Mm. And a couple of days ago, the tree went up and the kids were, Mom, 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 come, we're decorating the tree. And I dropped everything, ran in there. And it didn't even last that long. But the process of doing it, what, 10, 15 minutes of mm. picking out these little baubles and these things that these kids had made in primary school, in nursery school, and they remember where they were and who they were with when they made them. And they would mm -hmm. laugh at them. And one of them's got my favourite football team on them. So they <laughs> had pride of place. They must have made those for me. And my mum got a, a granny to make one in my football team's colours. And all these different baubles. 
But I think my overriding emotion when decorating a tree, and particularly this year, was one of gratitude. I'm just so grateful to have a roof over my head, to have a couple of gorgeous, funny, hilarious kids who take the mickey out of me all the time and are so excited about Christmas. To have a husband who's prepared to lug around Christmas trees for two and a half hours in the local community just because he's a good soul. And yeah, so it's just gratitude, really. I'm trying not to turn it into guilt because there's a lot of negativity in the world, Um, but just really focusing on just appreciating the moment and realizing how quickly the kids are growing up and what's this moment going to be like in a few years when they've flown the nest so Uh, there still is pressure on professional mothers isn't there there still is strangely not on professional fathers but professional mothers you know you should be there you should be at home and i think that actually as a role model it's a wonderful thing that you do particularly with two girls you know well thank you yeah i mean it, it is difficult i'll be honest with you it's really difficult and it's it's not just working Saturdays anymore. Now I work abroad and it can be quite a few days away. So I struggle with that, but I'm so hands-on. Even when I'm away, I've still got all the alerts on my phone as to what clubs (laughs) they've got and what messages I leave them in the morning and talk to them about life and the world and everything on FaceTime, which we're lucky enough to have. So, um, but yeah, when I'm home, absolutely magnify every moment and just maybe I'm too soppy I think I really am too soppy because I just <laughs> hug the kids all the time and tell them I love them all the time even my poor husband he's like get off I know but I really love you <laughs> so I think I'm just um very soppy but very appreciative and particularly at this time of year yeah yeah absolutely well I'm delighted to hear that you're not one of those people who has just mauve and silver balls and nobody else is allowed <laughs> to touch it it has to look perfect like it's in the shop window I love a Christmas tree that's a mess <laughs> yeah, oh, it's very random I looked at it after we decorated it and I was like oh I thought we were going for the kind of burgundy and gold look which is quite classy <laughs> I put all these silver balls and these random green ones and the kids were like no we need those in there too yeah. okay whatever you want just go for it whack it all on splodge it all on as long as the heavy ones are nearer the middle and don't fall off all the time and, <laughs> and watch my special football ones and uh, everyone will be fine but yeah, yeah it was a really special moment and I just don't want this time to pass too quickly. And the fact that my mum's still around as well at the age of nearly 85 and she's Mm. coming for Christmas and my 12-year-old daughter's just obsessed with her and just wants to do everything with her. And they have this gorgeous relationship and she lives 100 yards away from us now. And um, yeah, so I think, again, it's one of those situations where you just appreciate every moment because she's not going to be here. So No, nothing lasts forever. Absolutely. Best Christmas ever. Grab it while you can. And I'm sure you do. (laughs) I'm sure you do. I have a fantastic Christmas, Jackie. Thank you so much. You too. You too. Absolutely. Enjoy it before the craziness starts. Restful, I think. Restful. (laughs) Your feet up. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I hope that Jackie, like me, has a wicked Christmas. Won't mention it too much, I promise. And I hope that wherever you are, the bleak midwinter has been kind to you. But if your earth is as hard as iron and snow has fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow on snow. Anyone ever suspected that the person who wrote that lyric for In the Bleak Midwinter wanted to rhyme snow with long ago, but made the mistake of saying snow too early in the line, so he just had to repeat it until the end. Just a thought. Stay with me, it won't all be this bad. Right, I spoke to my next guest when the world was sunny and bright in late September 2023, whilst I was staying in a lovely French hotel. Adieu. Merci, à bientôt. And he showed himself to be both those things. 
Uh, sunny and bright, that is. It's the wonderful stand-up comedian and the definition of erudicity, which clearly I'd quite like a definition of, Alistair Beckett-King. Alistair, hello, my dear man. How are you? Hello, I'm all right. How are you? I'm very good. Yeah, I'm all right. I've got a bit of a pulled muscle in my back, which is a pain. I mean, I'm not lying flat, but I am I am girdled up. Oh, good. Good? Is that yes, good? Uh, sort of good. Okay, good. Backs were a mistake. The, the, oh, the spine was a mistake. They just don't work, let's be honest. <laughs> they don't work for upright people, not people who are supposed to be down on the ground. Yeah. I'm six too. I know, uh, you know, I, I pull it about once a month now yeah. uh, in, in my late 30s, and it's just going to get worse. What yeah. were we thinking? Why can't they just attach some supportive pole to it instantly? There's, there's nothing I want more than to be stretched on a rack. I mean... <laughs> I'm not sure I want to be quoted on that, but, you know, that's that's what I said. That's what I said. On a rack in Iraq. Ideally, yes. Ideally, that's what we hope for. I went to the chemist this morning to buy some deep heat spray. Oh, good, good. And I said to the woman, do you have deep heat spray? She said, yes, it's, it's there, pointing to the bottom shelf. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're going to do anything from Christmas that you'd like to have in a time capsule. So it can be a good thing or it can be something you hate about Christmas. I'd like to choose something that I like, mm. which is no longer a thing, really. As a teenager, what I really associate with Christmas is the, the fact that the TV used to show classic movies late at night. So, uh, you know, as it got late over Christmas, you, you would get the big, thick radio times and it would tell you what all the films were. Because it was only, not to sound incredibly ancient, we only had a few channels back then in those <laughs> days and you had to wait until a film you wanted just happened to be on. Yeah. But luckily, the Radio Times, which was like an almanac, would predict what film was going to be on. At <laughs> Christmas time, they would put all the classics on, so it would be five stars, five stars, five stars. And if you were a, a young film nerd like I was, you could set the VHS, yeah. which, uh, which younger listeners will also not know. This is, really, <laughs> this is like science fiction for the young <laughs> listeners. What is that device? Well, to me, that's modern technology. <laughs> <laughs> that's the late, the most cutting edge. Do you remember yeah. when the Radio Times started putting those sequence of numbers that you could put next to it so that you could program it just by using the numbers? You could type that into your VHS and it would record yeah. that program. I never worked out how to do that, but no, I do remember No, I don't think numbers. anybody ever did. No, but they were there if we wanted them. For a genius. So using my video cassette recorder, you could record it using the secret numbers or you could just stay up till about one in the morning and press record or just watch it. Mm. And so, yeah, so sort of discovering uh, for the first time film, you know, classic movies like Casablanca and The Maltese Falcon. And I associate with Christmas City of Lost Children and Brazil, which is a Christmas movie. I can't guarantee I actually watched any of these at Christmas, but nostalgia <laughs> isn't about accuracy, is it? No, that's the advantage of a VHS, of course, because you may I, well have watched them when you were in the middle of the who summer. Who knows? Could have been who a I do remember watching Summer with Monica very late at night, sort of drifting in and out of uh, sleep. And uh, find, I think it's a really good film, but I, mm. it's, it's even better when you're sort of half awake, drifting in and out of reality. It's even more enchanting. It's strange, isn't it? Because now, of course, you have access to all those whenever you want, instantly. That's rubbish, isn't it? It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> in fact, you would think that would be the ideal, but in fact, it is rubbish. Well, the, especially with um, you know not wanting to call out any particular streaming services, but with the, the fact that the, the stuff that seemed you know we go oh okay, so I sign up for this and I can watch every film ever made, and they were mm. like uh, maybe, and then it turns out no, <laughs> no, no, they can take them away. Yeah, but I do appreciate. I did discover this last Christmas. The Thin Man films, the the series of uh, screwball noirs from the late late thirties, I think. 
I don't know them at all. Oh, you don't know them? Oh, I no. think you, I think they'd be right up your street. 1934 was the first, based on a Dashiell Hammett novel. Mm. It's um, uh, William Powell and Myrna Loy as, oh. a, as a couple, married couple, who are drunk the whole time. Um <laughs> solving crimes so it's it's really really funny they've got a they've got a very clever dog uh, they've got a sort of snowy like tintin dog called uh, asta i think they're so funny mm. and uh, and william powell is a reminder that the quality of today's republicans has dropped because the, when you look <laughs> back at the old days they've got they've got him you've got james stewart like some they just seem like nice guys yeah the lovely thing about the thin man is it's set on christmas eve i think right and then the sequel is set on new year's eve <laughs> so last year we watched The Thin Man on Christmas Eve and uh, and then the sequel, The Thin Man Returns, I think, on, on New Year's Eve a few days later. And there's like nine more that are, we haven't got to yet. So that's, <laughs> that's this Christmas sorted. Before you dig into film history, you have the idea that films used to be a bit slow and a little bit dull, you know. And it's only going back to screwball comedies of the 30s where you go, this is so, this is so fast. Yeah. It's so fast-paced. It makes, you know... The, when I would have been discovering these films, it makes the, the contemporary comedy, which would, I suppose, around the turn of the century, it would have been very sort of Ricky Gervais-influenced, quite slow and deliberately awkward. Yeah. Like, if you compare that to Bringing a Baby, like, it's less pacey. The truth, there are laughs every, every couple of seconds, aren't there? Yeah, there's, it, it's so packed with jokes. And I, I just love those films. I, 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 we, should, we should make more screwball comedies, I think. Yes. You make me think of sitting on the sofa, my parents having gone out to a neighbour's, and me trying Dubonnet for the first time in my life and Ooh. watching one of those movies and uh, thinking, this is really tasty. And by the time my parents came back, I was absolutely rolling drunk. <laughs> I, I was only about 12. <laughs> that is the way to, in, to enjoy a movie at Christmas, isn't it? Yes, although I don't think I enjoyed the rest of Christmas. I had a oh, miserable no. time. But do you still like the films while... Uh... I thought you were going to ask if I still like Dubonnet. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I oh, love those not. films. Can, can uh, you still enjoy the films with perhaps a, a coffee? Yeah, but I do miss, you're absolutely right, that whole thing of buying the Christmas Radio Times and mm. slowly working your way through it and putting a, a circle around the one... Oh, you circle oh, yeah, so I need the telly for that because yeah. I'm watching my thing. Yeah. It's just not a thing anymore, which is which is fine, but I, I do feel a little nostalgic about it. Well, that's why it should go into the time capsule. So exactly. that people can one day look back and go, do you know what? That wasn't so bad. And that's a bloody funny film. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Hopefully they'll, in the in the year 5000, they'll dig out the Thin Man and go, this is, this is hilarious. These people are drinking way too much to, <laughs> to responsibly catch criminals. <laughs> Brilliant. Alistair, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Merry Christmas. And a very Merry Christmas to you too, Alistair. What a lovely man. As is my next guest, the fantastic Ted Robbins. Now, if you listen to Ted's episode, you'll remember that he talked very movingly about having a cardiac arrest on stage during a show in Manchester with Peter Kay for comic relief. Well, I'm delighted to say that he's a lot better now. You'll also remember that we had trouble recording things with Ted, as he may be a master of comedy, but he hasn't the faintest idea how to work his computer. And I'm afraid to say he's not a lot better at that. So the sound on this recording is not the best. There's an understatement. But as ever with Ted, what he says makes it well worth listening to. So here is the wonderful Ted Robbins. And of course, our conversation starts the way most conversations between men of our age does, with us talking about our health. 
or lack of it. Right. There we are, then. There we are. Lovely. Christmas is coming. We're all getting slimmer. Yeah. The goose is getting fat, but not us. <laughs> You're looking in fine shape for a win. Thank you. Although I, I was making the bed the other day and I ricked my back. Oh, yes. I've been to the gym and I've ripped the shoulder. Oh, everything. Well, you think you can do all those things, don't you? You think you can do all the things you did before. Easy. I'll just pick that weight up. And then yeah. you go, oh, hang on a minute. No, no good. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> So I'm not going to keep you long, Ted. No. I'm going to do a lovely quick chat about Christmas. Lovely. So um, you must be Father Christmas. You know, how many Christmas shows have you done? Well, I've done about 20 pantomimes and uh, greatly enjoyed most of them. Uh, (laughs) I'm not working this year due to, uh, well, due to the ongoing health thing. I've just four months ago had open heart surgery again to replace the aortic valve. They call it the zipper club. Any of them have um, open-heart surgery. And they have badges, yeah. but I've had two, so I've asked them to put Velcro on mine. So uh, <laughs> I've been cleared by the barber surgeon and uh, the team at Woodenshaw and my own GPs. Mm. So I've certainly had my value out of the NHS. I think I've had enough now. I'd like to get back to the news. I'm doing a little Christmas show over the road to some people mm. in a hospital and a few bits and pieces. And also raising, uh, I'm going to do an evening for first responders who are people who are trained to go to a cardiac arrest and know exactly what to do. Because most people don't. And they are often the first there. You know, that was me. So it's something very dear to my uh, heart, which is <laughs> retention. And the speed with which they work, that's absolutely vital, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, if somebody collapses and they're not breathing, pump their chest. Pump their chest right into Even if you hear a rib crack, keep going. Mm. You can live with broken ribs. I had 12, but you can't wow. live without a beating heart. Anyway, there's a cheery start no. to a Christmas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes. Well, but, you know, uh, it's not a bad thing to approach every Christmas, and I think possibly every day, yeah. as if it were your last. It's that great joke, isn't it? I, I, I'd spend yeah. every day as if it were my last I lie in bed, slipping in and out of consciousness with my family standing around crying. Yes. <laughs> Live every day as you last, because one day you're going to be right. <laughs> you're going to be right, yeah. It's true. So uh, tell me about the things you'd put into a time capsule then. Well, the very first thing I put in, and funny enough, I saw it the other day, and I seem to have been watching it for, I don't know, 30 years, and it's Raymond Briggs's cartoon, Father Christmas. Ah, lovely. It's the same person who created the snowman, but I love this Father Christmas. Have you seen it, Father Christmas? I have, yeah. Well, the great late Mel Smith plays Father Christmas and rather grumpy. Come on, my dears. And it's hmm. set in a, in, a, in a little town somewhere, a bit Coronation Street. He lives in a little ordinary terrace. He's got a couple <laughs> of dogs and he's got his reindeer and his covered up sled. And it just shows Father Christmas's time off. So it starts in the new year, and he says, right, get the catalogs out. <laughs> and he sets off, and, come on, my dears. And he takes his reindeer, and they fly off, and um, he has his holidays. He goes to uh, Paris, and uh, there's one scene where he has a very rich, he loves eating, and he's drinking, and he has lobsters and crabs and creamy things and champagne. and. And then it shows the keeper a loo. And in the end, 
he, he runs into some bushes and lowers his pants and you see Father Christmas at his bottom. It's wonderful. <laughs> and then towards the end of the cartoon, can't get in the house, but millions of letters from kids. Louis, Merry Christmas to you. I watch it every year. I love it. I love that image of him sitting in an old sofa by the fire with his slippers on yes. and his braces. But he keeps getting recognised everywhere they go. You know, <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Mom, in Las Vegas, is that fat guy, fat Santa Claus? He's all time to move on. I think I've been recognised. And he, uh, off he goes. <laughs> wonderful. Lovely. Anything else you'd like to go in? Christmas pudding. A proper boiled suet Christmas pudding. Yeah. You can't beat it. There's a bit of brandy on I love it. They used to put sixpence in them, didn't they? Who's got the sixpence? Oh, it's the child yeah. there that's yeah. gone blue. Yeah, that yes, that yeah. was very good thing. <laughs> And a lot of people don't like it, but I love it. So Christmas pudding. Yeah, we put proper Christmas pudding in there. That's brilliant. The third item, I'm going to link it up, and the late, great Les Dawson. I never worked with him. No, you did work with him. I, I did. I remember did even years ago, I remember you talking about him, saying that he, he had that ability that very few people have to just walk onto the centre of a stage, stand there, and he could yeah. entertain you for 20 minutes without moving. Exactly. He never paced up and down. I did several pantos with Les. One of them was the Jack and the Beanstalk, and our son Jack had just been born, and Les was playing his game, and mm. he was a proper game. So I had a routine where I had to hold Les in my arms. He's a big guy to hold, you know. I said, oh, you're very beautiful. I love you. You're getting on a bit, eh? Oh, Jay, are you saying I'm over the hill? No, I'm just saying you've got a pretty good view of the valley. <laughs> and all the, all the old gangs, you know. I've got the skin of a 17-year-old girl. He said, well, you better give it back. You're getting an old sketch. <laughs> and, and since she passed away, missed him a great deal, you know. Um, and I, unashamedly, when I played Dane, I remember his whole ethos about being a Dane was it was a bloke in the skirt. There is another phrase. Uh, something that rhymes with sock in a frock. <laughs> and for me, the archetypal Dane was Les Dawson because he was funny. Everyone knew it was Les Dawson. But we all accepted, you know, the willing suspension of disbelief. Yeah. I remember in Newcastle once I was playing the Dane and a little Geordie kid just ran down and said, you're not a woman, you're a fella. I had that once. I had a little child when I did Dame. I haven't done it as many times as you, Ted, but uh, I did Dame. Oh, did and, and I was talking to this kid, and uh, I got down and leant forward, and this kid looked at me and said, you've got a hairy chest. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, yeah. I said, yeah, my mother was Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and he just accepted it. Marvellous. Well, the wonderful Les Dawson. He summed up Christmas for me, and uh, he, he looked like... And um, we passed many a night in the yeah. show and then go to the bar and talk about showbiz. Well, lucky you. Lucky you. Yeah, and I'm going to put it in there so that we can all share it. How fantastic. Have a really lovely Christmas I, and a complete recovery. I want yeah, to see you back on stage. I want to get back into my skirt. And you can go on stage if you like. It's up to you. I'm wearing them now, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Merry Christmas and everyone listening. And thanks for having us back. And God bless you. It's a joy, Ted. Cheers, Mike. 
And people call this work. How lovely to link up with old friends for Christmas. I hope you're having fun. If you are, then what are you doing whilst listening to this? And can we all join in? Right, time to go all international and upmarket and talk to one of the most fascinating guests we've had this year, Professor Turi King. If you've not heard her episode, then in it she talks about her key involvement in discovering the burial site of King Richard III and her DNA verification of his remains. And of course her work with Stacey Dooley on the BBC Two show DNA Family Secrets. But she also took us to her birthplace, Canada. So let's find out if her Christmas memories will do the same. And, of course, if I just can't help mentioning my forthcoming role in Wicked in the West End. I, I probably won't. You know me, always hiding my light under a bushel. Hmm. Where did I put that bushel? Oh, I'm moving to Bath. I'm going to be going to the University of Bath to take over as director of the Milner Centre for Evolution. Oh, how fantastic. I know. <laughs> what a gorgeous place to be. Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful part of the world. So. Yeah. Oh, how fantastic. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> how lovely. Well, if you're up in London, though, let me know and you want to come and see a show. Oh, I would love to. <laughs> do. Just, just drop me a message and yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll talk to the company manager and see what can be done. Oh, that would be lovely. Just, Fantastic. Well, okay, go on. I won't keep you all day, but um, no, no. it's lovely to see you. We're just going to see what you'd pick out of all the things you can from Christmas to put into a Christmas time capsule. Okay, so mine is going to be slightly obscure for most people in this country. It's mm-hmm. Purdy's Chocolates. Purdy's is a Canadian company. And when I was growing up, um, I mean, it sounds all a bit Dickensian, but we didn't have very much money. So at Christmas time, we would have Purdy's chocolates and it was quite a big deal. So my dad tells these stories about how money was so tight. He used to walk from our house to his office in downtown Vancouver, which would have easily taken him like an hour and a half to walk each way. And he'd have like a, a cup of hot chocolate. <laughs> and that was his like breakfast and lunch. This kind of thing. So it's we, money was tight, so at Christmas time, we would get Purdy's chocolates. Mm. And there's a particular type of Purdy's chocolate known as a hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> so these have got, like, hazelnut, chocolate hazel, kind of like Nutella, but, you know, firmer, basically. Like, yeah. do I don't know how to pronounce that. But it's this really yummy thing. And they come in, like, hedgehog shapes, and they come in this special kind of triangle box you can buy them now whenever i go back to vancouver i usually pick up some hedgehog chocolates. <laughs> they remind me of my childhood yeah. and they remind me of christmas so i was thinking of this i mean there's so many things you can pick up there's so many lovely things about christmas that mm. actually yeah purdy's chocolates i would put those in the time capsule <laughs> isn't it funny how in a world where now you can sort of have everything you mm. hanker for the days when you couldn't have everything and just on those special occasions that's I mean, right when i was young a christmas selection box was an enormous treat <gasps> the fact that you got all these i mean sort of five or six different chocolates all exactly. in one box and you could choose when you ate it or you could eat it all at once it was just it was an unbelievable treat I- I think I and, and of course I you know I'm older and I say to the kids you don't realize you know you get all the nah. stuff and when I, in my day <laughs> well that's the last thing you want to turn into isn't it really exactly. but uh, but sadly I think it may be true I mean, yeah. but then, of course, I remember people saying that to me, my parents saying in our Christmas stocking, we had some walnuts and an apple yeah that's right and it and it was such a big deal but yeah so that that for me kind of just reminds me of growing up in Canada and Christmases and, you know, the snow outside and the, 
and the Christmas lights out, and and we used to get proper snow, so you could make you know proper snowmen and <laughs> snow animals. And I remember being a kid, like digging tunnels under the snow. I grew up part of the time in Ontario, so oh my goodness, yeah, that's I suppose it's all that kind of wrapped up together. And I kind of thought, what would be the one thing? I thought, yeah, pretty hedgehogs. Mm. <laughs> I'll have to get you some. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd love it. Um, are they at all like uh, Ferrero Rocher in flavour? No. Well, they don't have crunchy bits in. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. It's it's like a G&G. It's like a hazelnut chocolate kind of. It's Yeah, I've got to send some to you. And you can now get different types. So you can get milk and dark chocolate ones. But now you can get this kind of like, um, it's like a gold blonde chocolate. Right. Oh my goodness, they're so good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if I ever get any, I have to put them in the cupboard and you know just kind of work your way through them slowly. Because if I had them on the side, I think I would just eat all of them pretty yeah. much at once. So now put them in the cupboard so they're not around. So I can't kind of just see them and start reaching in there. <laughs> yes. At the moment, yeah. there's this great fashion in London, isn't there, in the candy stores that are mm. up everywhere, selling American chocolate uh, yeah. at extortionate prices. And yet we were always brought up being told that American chocolate wasn't really chocolate. It was it <laughs> had hardly any chocolate in it. Yeah. Um, it was rubbish. And now you buy a, a bar of that for sort of, I don't know, £10. I know, it's ridiculous. So I, I have to admit, I grew up eating Twizzlers. Right. I don't know if you've come across Twizzlers, but they're mm. like a strawberry licorice. And <laughs> um, I see them occasionally in these American candy stores <laughs> No, I can't look at the price of that. <laughs> That's a dollar for a dozen. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, no, so Bertie's chocolates. I don't know. I just we just grew up with them. Um mm. and they're kind of a Canadian institution now. So lovely. Well I I, I like the fact that we're going international. That's it's right. A, it's about time. Yes, at uh, this time of year we should be thinking about people in other climes, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> some live in gorgeous places and uh, I, I, I spoke to somebody just the other day who was um, on holiday in the Maldives oh how nice I know I hate I him. think did you get to go to interview them you should have <laughs> no, no wouldn't Darn that it. be nice <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I think we should all go and visit <laughs> yeah yeah I think so I'm going to record a Christmas time capsule I want everyone to come to the Maldives with me here's a ticket that is I'm so up for that. Okay, next year. Next, <laughs> next year. year. <laughs> Sounds great. Fantastic. Lovely. Oh, thanks, Jerry. That's absolutely lovely. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. The delightful Tory King. See you in the Maldives. Right, the cattle are lowing, so before they wake up the baby, we'd better have an ad break. Well, for everyone apart from ACAST Plus subscribers who get this podcast ad-free. Have we mentioned that before? For everyone else, as Tom Lehrer used to say, God rest ye merry merchants, may you make the Yuletide pay. See you in a minute. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to part two of part two of my Christmas time capsule 2023. And Gloria, it's flesh of my flesh and blood of my blood. What with being all biblical, my lovely son and producer of this podcast, John, who some of you may remember me chatting with in episode 301. We had such a lovely response to that episode that I thought I may as well find out what he'd want in his Christmas time capsule. Okay, John, what do you want to put in your Christmas time capsule? I am going to put in Christmas Day of 2020. Right. Was that the one I couldn't make? That's right. Oh, uh, yeah, I understand why. Yeah, but it's because it is sort of the proof It was lockdown Christmas, if everyone remembers that one. I don't think many people are going to forget it. No. Mm. It's the proof of Christmas magic, the feeling of Christmas magic, because I didn't think I was going to get it. I thought, oh, not this year, because it was only a couple of days before Christmas Day, wasn't it, that they said, sorry, you can't meet. Mm. And you were in Kent and I was in East Sussex, so we couldn't cross borders. No. In fact, I'd put up an enormous tent in the garden with the idea that we might be able to meet outside. Well, that was going to be the plan, that we would have been allowed. But they suddenly changed the rules. After saying, no, 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 it's very important that people have Christmas, they then two days before changed the rules Mm. and then said we couldn't. That was the worst point of lockdown for me, the whole thing. It was just the saddest bit because we thought, oh, at least we're going to have a Christmas together. All of us are going to get together, even though it's outside in the garden and it's going to be freezing. We can still do it and we'll still have Christmas. And then they said no. Yeah. And it was the worst point of the whole thing. Well, I I bought heaters, tents, Christmas tree, outside decorations. Yeah. uh, And I was completely ready for it. In fact, I stood in that tent for hours making sure that it was capable of letting us have lunch there. It was all ready to go. And then they said, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, it was all ready to go. Mm. It was very, very sad. And I remember when we knew it was going to happen, you came, you and mum came to the garden to see the kids just a couple of days before. But you came, you were able to come and see us outside in the garden. And you just cried. You couldn't even speak to us. It was just so sad. Mm. It was just, we just knew it was awful. But it's just that feeling, that Christmas feeling that you just cannot explain and you only feel it on Christmas Day. And it's completely unexplainable, but it is a feeling of absolute magic that you feel. And I get it. Even just you get in the car and you drive and you see people, you can feel, you know it's Christmas Day just from the feeling you get. Well, I do anyway. Mm. And I thought... Not this year, you know, it's ruined, I won't have it. But just Christmas Day, which I've never done before, I've always come to yours or to my wife's family, it was just me and the two kids and my wife at home by ourselves, 
But I still had the feeling. It was still there, the Christmas magic feeling Mm. that you get on Christmas Day. So that's how I know it's real magic, because it was still there, even on the what could have been the worst Christmas Day ever. It was still wonderful. But you did get to go to a party at number 10 after that, didn't you? And it was a massive get-together. Oh, yeah, I was there most evenings, actually. Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was a good time. That was great fun. Oh, we did a fun. lot of partying there. I bet you laughed at all us idiots <laughs> sitting at home. Yeah, yeah, It yeah. was just great. And I thought, oh, but at least he's at number 10, laughing with Boris. And, and Boris is able to tell him those brilliant jokes because he's, he's such a linguist, isn't he? He's got this he great is. skill he, with he language. Does, yeah. uh, he hardly ever hesitates or pauses. You know, I mean, it's a sign of his intelligence, I think, clearly, obviously, the fact that he's able to speak so fluently. Obviously. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cunt, isn't he? Oh, well, happy Christmas, everybody. That's where it's <laughs> come out now. <laughs> is it supposed to be happy? Am I doing this to be for everybody to be happy? Okay, I apologise. Yeah. I do, I apologise. But he is. Anyway, yeah, well, I'm glad you got the feeling. You've always been good Christmassy person. You know, in, in a way, too often you've got so excited about Christmas, I seem to remember, that I remember as a teenager you spending one Christmas night on the downstairs loo floor. Yeah, I drank an entire bottle of Jim Bean bourbon mm. with Coke. Yeah. <laughs> an entire bottle throughout the day. As if that's going to dilute it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I didn't feel that drunk at the time. I was like, I'm fine, this is going on. And then suddenly in the night, I woke up and went, I need to go downstairs to the <laughs> toilet. And I went, and I don't think I was actually sick, but I just had to take all my clothes off because I was sweating so much. So I just lay on the cold bathroom floor, completely naked for a couple of hours, <laughs> going, oh my God. Very <laughs> Christmas. That was a fun Christmas night. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm sure that's cheered a lot of people up with the memory of exactly that sort of night that we've all had. Everyone's done it at Christmas. Yeah. I did it as a student. And it wasn't Christmas, actually. It was May Day. In Oxford, on May Day, they tell you, oh, it's brilliant. Everybody gets up at the crack of dawn and they all go down to Magdalen Bridge and they stand there and the choir sing in the tower and you stand on the bridge and you hear the choir and one or two idiots jump in the river And then the pubs open and you can go and have breakfast with beer. Right. So we went down and joined in. But, of course, what happens is that you go to a party before then in celebration Mm. of the fact and you think, well, we're going to go up at the crack of dawn. We might as well stay up all night. So everybody who stands on the bridge is absolutely smashed, as was I. And I think by about 11 o'clock that day, I was lying on a cold floor of a toilet going, oh, God, help me. Help me. It's something that people often do on Christmas Eve, isn't it? And then ruin their Christmas Day. Yeah. People go out on Christmas Eve and get completely overexcited and then Christmas Day is ruined. (laughs) Joe's, my wife's sister, did it last year. We weren't there, but we just kept on getting text messages of just, oh, she's being sick again. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Yeah. There's so many things, aren't there? When you lead up to those things, there are so many things that you worry are going to spoil it. I remember Natty's first Christmas and Hannah, my daughter and your sister, were so excited about it. And then just the night before, he started throwing up as a Mm one-year-old and he had the norovirus. And she said, I think it's over. Can we bring him round? And he came round in his little Christmas pyjamas and then projectile vomited across the entire dining room. And we went, oh, Jesus Christ, get him out. Oh, so sad. (laughs) Just really, please, can we just have a Christmas with him? And he looked so unwell. Oh, Oh. poor little thing. 
Yeah, well, we're lucky to have had such fabulous Christmases over the years, John. I mean, um, when we think about it, we have been blessed, really, because we've hit it so many times where it's been fantastic. I mean, I suppose, really, because we were young parents, and therefore, by the time you reach being teenagers, we just all had a massive party together Mm. that went on for days and days. Yeah, I've just uh, I remembered a funny game that we played one Christmas where you um, had to think of something very innocent. Just one person had to guess what the thing you'd thought of and everyone had to give sort of very innuendo clues as to what it was. This. <laughs> don't oh, don't you? And we had um, our neighbours, Jill and Gerhard, Gerhard who has since died, sadly, but the thing that you had to say was um, a newspaper, something very normal, something very innocent. Mm-hmm. And um, Hannah, my sister, was... Um, <laughs> guessing what it was and he said I can't remember what the others were but they were all sort of very silly innuendos and he said I like it on my knees in a train <laughs> <laughs> and she and she said oh, is it a blowjob <laughs> <laughs> the answer of a teenager yes. yeah she had no idea what the game was about it sounds what it sounds like I don't know oh dear and then we go right back to Mandy's dad Mike when they came for Christmas, and I remember a Boxing Day, we realised that we'd bought all this fantastic wine from near where they lived in France. So we opened nearly all of it, Mm. and it was really delicious. And we had one bottle, and then we had two, and then we had three. And by the end, Mike was playing a game where he was trying to balance the bottles, starting with one upright, and then the other one, in a way, mouth-to-mouth, as it were, with the bottle... And then you'd balance another one on top of that, and then another one. And he got to seven bottles. Yeah, to the ceiling. And that's what you can do when you're drunk. Yeah, <laughs> try and do that sober. <laughs> you're never going to manage it. Well, I think we're going to get a fantastic Christmas this year. I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to getting the Christmas feeling yeah. and having a fantastic time. The Christmas magic. Sadly, you're not with us this Christmas day, are you? Not Christmas Day, but we will be here on Boxing Day and the Christmas magic continues to Boxing Day. It does. In fact, many people think that that's the best meal. Yeah. Do you think that, John? I, uh, no. No. I don't. I like the Christmas Day meal. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Although I can't eat as much as I used to when I was younger. <laughs> but I still try. Uh, well, all right. We'll pour it in front of you and you can stuff it in. Okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. There you are, a little insight into our lovely family Christmases and the huge quantity of wine we've consumed. Now, I really enjoyed meeting and talking to the stand-up comedian Rich Wilson this year and discovering that we'd been to the same school and shared many of the same horror stories about those days, despite there being a ten-year gap between our ages. And here is a little clip from that episode where, coincidentally, Rich talks about the thing he's loved most about Christmas. Uh, I remember one of the best Christmases I ever had uh, was when I received the Six Million Dollar Man <laughs> action figure and it stayed with me forever. I still, every time I think about it, I remember opening the, ripping open the, the wrapping paper and seeing the pink box. And I remember I, it was Gamblies in Orpington was the toy shop. Mm. And I remember we'd just get taken in there all the time and I'd just be just in there staring at this Six Million Dollar Man and the pink box, and I, I picked that box up and put it back down so many times. <laughs> so then to have it in my hands at Christmas, yeah. every time I see the $6 million man or online 
and I see the people, I'm immediately transported back to that. Would have been late 70s, mm. but one of the best Christmases. Oh, fantastic. Ever. Did he have uh, the powers? Did he have a strong arm? What he had, yes. So what he did, he had, so he had like rubber on one arm that you rolled up and underneath were bionics. Ah, uh-huh, brilliant. And they would pop out. You could put them in and out. And then he had an, <laughs> he had an engine with a handle on it. And what he'd do, you put the engine in his hand and he press this lever on his back and it would lift up. <laughs> Anything. 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 It was just, yeah. <laughs> and then I remember one of his eyes was like a magnifying glass that you could look through. So you could, you were supposed to be able to see further. <laughs> you couldn't see anything. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. And he had red trainers and I just loved it so much. Uh, and what I loved, it's funny looking back at the TV show now, when he was supposed to be like going fast as Steve Austin, he'd like, it'd be really slow. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how that worked. He was a portly man, wasn't he? He was, the man, yeah. the man who played it. When you think back on it, the idea the of choosing that actor, yeah, choosing him as the uh, thing, because he, he constantly had to hold his stomach in, I thought. That's was, what I thought he looked like. That's what a lot of the actors back then, they had that, when you look at, like, uh, Robert Mitchum, and you see them, they had that, Family Guy did a bit about it, when they said they had that weird, they had that strange... Unfit, fit body. <laughs> but they're like, they obviously worked out, but yeah. they were still drinking and smoking and do all the things. So they all had bellies. Yeah. And so, yeah, you see that. With, and you'd suck it in and push it up, as it yeah, were. Yeah. It would yeah, become yeah. your pecs. <laughs> that was it. So they'd have like, I don't know what, they have girdles or something. I just don't like, know. <laughs> I know that my dad on holiday once in a holiday camp down in Hailing Island uh, won the Mr. Universe competition right. right at the beginning of the week mm. by going up on the diving board and pulling his stomach in, right, right, pushing right. it up and going, you know, <laughs> doing a Tarzan call or something. And uh, he won. But he said it was the worst holiday he ever had because he had to, for the rest of the week, walk around with his stomach pulled in. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OK, nearly done, but I've saved a treat for the end. In the summer, I spoke to the lovely Dave Gorman at Kite Festival in front of a thousand people in a huge tent. But of course, that didn't stop Dave being a fantastic entertainer, as ever, and our special 300th guest. And can you, Adam and Evit, he agreed to come back on and tell me the thing he loves from all the Christmases past. And it's a cracker. I mean, not a cracker. It, it, it's, it's a good one. <clears throat> Right, let's talk about the thing that you'd like to put into a Christmas time capsule. Um, I would like... Well, it's really an emotion. <coughs> Sorry. I can see the emotion overwhelming you. Absolutely. Do you know what? I need to... <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> uh, no, my my choice for a time capsule is as an emotion, but the thing that brings that emotion to me every time is a Morecambe and Wise Christmas special. <laughs> Uh, so what what I want is the Andre Previn Christmas special. Marvellous. Um, because as well as loving them, and I've, I've always adored them, mm. there is the memory of sort of lying back into my mother's arms at Christmas time. And there's something unique about comedy that gets the whole family. Mm. So as a little kid, we would all sit around. And, and, you'd, and it's the cuddle that comes with the memory that is so Christmas and it's so funny mm. and for me it completely stands the test of time I can watch any of them now and I'll they'll still get me and it's just that it's that being wrapped up in family which is actually what Christmas is for me that's what it means yeah did you ever meet them 
I didn't. No, no. Um, I, I'm I not met... sure that I would have coped. No, I, I, um, I, I met Barry Cryer, who wrote for them, mm. uh, and and we had long conversations about them. Mm. Um, and, and my favourite thing from my conversation with Barry about them was they used to do a thing in their live show. It was about event. I know they did. They did do one thing on their TV show about event act, yeah. but it wasn't the same thing. They had a bit involving a ventriloquist dummy in their live show. And when Barry was writing for them, he was like, wait, you've got to do that bit. You've got to do that bit. <laughs> and they were like, no, that's the live show. That's the bread and butter. Yeah. It doesn't change. Yeah. And they left their live show alone and just had new stuff for telly the whole time. Very good. Which is sort of different to how it is today. Because now you sort of churn it all up. You use it. You can't use it again live. Once you've done it, no. that's kind of, you can't tour that again. Their live show is this unchanging sort of cast in stone rock that they knew if if telly disappeared, they had their thing, and they'd go yeah. back to that, and they'd be very happy. Yeah, and I I just love that the idea of saying to Barry Cry, no, no, that thing that takes the roof off every night is going to carry on taking the roof off every night, and we're not burning it. <laughs> there is a recording of them at the Croydon Fairfield Halls. There is, I've got it. Yeah. yeah which was not really made for release. It was filmed as a sort of a, an artefact for them, mm. really. But it's it's fantastic. And at the end, they kind of come on and loosen the ties. And it's all a bit, uh, it's, it's almost a Q&A, or it, but it, it's completely loose. And it's not, it doesn't feel like the scripted show. And Eric is, it just falls out of him. I, I, there's no one who really has that funny bones thing more than Eric Morecambe. No, absolutely not. He was a genius. Uh, the thing that I always love, particularly that Andre Previn sketch, is when he does that feigned, contained anger. You know, the thing yes. of you think he's going to explode and he's holding <laughs> it in. We are playing the right notes. It's the, the specific detail of that moment for me is that he pulls his top lip up over his teeth yes two or three times in succession as i gotta before he <laughs> he says it and genuinely as a i started doing stand-up when i was 19 and especially when you're an unknown comic on a mixed bill especially when you're 19 mm. there are, there are going to be tough gigs right like these days people are coming to see me and my name's on the door and i'd have to be really bad to have a tough gig yeah. because i'm I'm what they've come to see, and I'm doing that stuff they like. Yes. <laughs> but when you're one of four or five comics on a bill, people bring their preconceptions of what they think comedy should be, and you might not be it. And you have to kind of find your way through it. And especially when you, you, know, you learn how to do all those things, but you don't know it immediately. So you have tough gigs. Uh, subliminally, it was it. I would do the Eric Morecambe top lip over my teeth as part of my summoning my strength to go on. And I was I was summoning the presence of, I was wanting to be visited by the spirit of Eric Morgan. <laughs> it never worked, obviously. Oh, I think I think it did, Dave. <laughs> no, but that's that, that absolutely, uh, I'd forgotten that used to be in my bones. Yeah. Um, at that level. Yeah, I, that little gesture. There's something just gorgeous about Morgan Wise. And it's so sort of, in the the spirit of what they're doing, not just the words of what they're doing, there's yeah. something just joyful 
there's there's one joke, and I can't, I'll probably misquote the joke, but it's not about the joke. It's about the moment afterwards because the joke doesn't even make sense. <laughs> and it's the the joke is like an old, it's like a cracker joke. It's so what do you get when it's raining cats and dogs, a, a, a cockadoodle poo or something? It doesn't even make, I mean, that's not a joke. No. And the audience laughs. And then there's a moment, Eric turns to camera and basically says, and if you think about that one, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and, and they've sort of fooled you with rhythm. Yeah. They fooled you with their spirit, their bonhomie, their professionalism, their just their reputation. You are so seduced by everything they're doing. They can say something that isn't even technically a joke. It's got the rhythm of a joke and you laugh and then he tells you, we've just conned you. Yes. Think about that one. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's almost the ultimate skill, isn't it? To constantly yeah. say to something, what do you think of it so far? Rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to comment on their own work. Absolutely. Within it. It's, it's amazing. It is a remarkable thing. You could study Eric Morecambe, I think also Ernie Wise, but you could study both of them for, forever. And you could yeah, try yeah. to copy the, the skill of when to push your glasses on, when to push them to the side, all those amazing things, when to look away. Yeah, he's, yeah. He, he's perfect at all of them, but you'd never, you'd never manage to actually copy it. No, no, you wouldn't. And it is also because um, obviously they built something of their own. Mm. Then they work with Sid and Dick. Then Eddie Braben comes along. To, yeah. The fact that it gets re-engineered and becomes better, mm. the bravery of that, because they've got something that worked and was, yes. was good and was loved, and then to go, we're going to do something slight, we're going to just tweak it here and here and here. Mm. I think that takes a great deal of bravery. I think most people would have gone, don't mess with it. This is yeah. working. This is, this, but, but Eddie Braben takes it up a notch. And the nerve also, when you think of Ernie Wise, that when he did his song and dance, when he first did it as a young man, yeah. it was proper entertainment. I, yeah, yeah. You're now going to get a good bit of entertainment in between me and the talking to the comic bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and eventually it becomes the butt of the joke. Yes, but it can't be the butt of the joke unless you're doing it properly mm -hmm. as well. So that, that that's the, he doesn't send it up. He no. does, he does song and dance. He yeah. does patter. He does soft shoe shuffle. He does the whole thing <laughs> and he does it beautifully and to the best of his ability. And it, and it wouldn't be funny if he was thinking this doesn't really matter. We're just doing this for laughs. He has to own it mm. and, and do it properly. And he always does. Yeah. Well, you've, you've made me feel, honestly, Dave, you've made me feel as if I'm sitting on the sofa being hugged by my mum oh, watching the telly. That is what we would all want for Christmas. And I guess the one thing I would say is that I know there will be people who will listen to this who won't have someone to hug at Christmas. Yeah. And you have to find your thing that makes you feel that thing. For me, it's more than wise. And I have had Christmases by myself. I've spent a Christmas by myself in New York and I spent a Christmas by myself in London with no one around. And the thing that would give me that hug was more wise. Fantastic. So you've got to find that if you don't have it in real life. You've got to find your thing, whatever it is. Very true. Yeah. Merry Christmas to everyone. Absolutely. And to you, Michael. Keep well. Keep well. And you. Cheers, mate. Cheers. There you go. And I hope you find the thing that will give you a big hug this Christmas. Thanks for listening. I won't do the blah, 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 blah about social media, the theme tune, Acast Plus, subscribing, rating, reviewing, telling your friends, and our producer being the very same John Fenton Stevens that you heard in this episode, because that would spoil the Christmas feeling that I hope we've created for you. Oh, bugger, I've just done it, haven't I? 
Ah, well, there'll be one more of these special compilation episodes before Christmas, so hopefully that will really put you in the Christmas mood. Actually, maybe this will help. My dear old mum never let a Christmas pass by without playing her favourite Swiss yodelling album. So I'm going to play some for you. No, I'm not actually. It's horrible. She put it on every year until she was nearly 80. And finally, I'd had enough. I said, Mum, do you have to play that dreadful record every bloody year? And she said, well, I'm a little old lady, little old lady, little old lady. Likes yodelling. Merry Christmas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.